Previously on Hound Radio's Arch Campbell podcast. We've done we've done the classics. We've done Frankenstein, Bride. Uh, we've done uh, Dracula. Uh, wow. Matter of fact, the first movie uh, I ever hosted there was our 40th anniversary of my first show, and that was House of Frankenstein. But then we've gone into the big bug movies. We've gone into uh, Earth versus the Flying Saucers, where we destroyed mm. Washington. One of my favorites. <laughs> the Arch Campbell podcast featuring Arch, Lou Katz, and a cast of thousands begins now. Well, that was our dear friend, Count Gordeval, who packed him in Halloween weekend at the American Film Institute, as he does every Halloween. And I always love talking horror classics with the Count. So glad to have him on last week. I'm Arch Campbell, and this is the podcast that tries to keep you up to date on the ever-changing world of entertainment. Lou Katz, our enabler, is in <laughs> Worldwide Katz Podcast Headquarters. Yes, and yet again, trying to make sure this podcast is put together the best I can. So. <laughs> you are the world's greatest producer <laughs> nah. director, and uh, so appreciate you. And speaking of appreciation, this week is uh, another one of my most guiltiest pleasures it's another visit with the Joy Boys of movies <laughs> in, in L.A. Let's go to Oliver Jones of Observer.com. Thank you. Woo. Up early that would make you the Willard Scott of movies. That's very exciting. <laughs> Happy birthday, everyone. That's right. And I'm the Ed Walker of movies. <laughs> I just listened. <laughs> and uh, the and here in DC, the WTOP radio entertainment guru, oh, yeah. and savant Jason Fraley. Hey, good to see everybody again. Well, here we go. So let's see who. How should we start here, Jason? What are you watching? Well, I just watched two very different movies. Uh, it's been, uh, I'll start with one that was spookier because you know we've been watching all these Halloween movies mm -hmm. in this past month. And uh, I finally caught up with Barbarian on HBO Max. It just dropped uh, on HBO Max. Um, and it's by a local Arlington, Virginia filmmaker, Zach Kreger, I think is how you pronounce it. Um, but it came out a couple months ago, but it finally just dropped. So I finally watched it, you know, a couple days before Halloween. And I got to tell you, it, 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 I thought it was freaking great. Um, have any of wow. you seen it yet? My, my students have been singing the praises of this movie. So I've been dying to see it. My students just love it. Right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's this Airbnb premise, you know, a, a young woman uh, checks in late at night, uh, checks into this Airbnb, uh, almost like a little rancher in, 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 in a desolate neighborhood at night. And uh, the door opens and uh, someone else is already there. Uh, Mr. Skarsgård. You remember he played Pennywise the Clown in It? Yeah. This is 476 Barbary, right? Yeah, I'm renting this place. No, I booked it a month ago. Are you sure you have the right place? Yeah. What are we supposed to do? Why don't you come inside and we'll call these idiots. Uh, oh. So there's this premise where it, the first hour is this suspense of, you know, what's the what's going to happen between these two people well, here? Are they going to split oh, a bottle we'll, of wine? We'll but... share. There's two bedrooms. We'll share. Right? <laughs> exactly. Well, it's, you know, she, she comes what in. What could and, happen? What could go wrong? She, you know, and, and he's like, well, I didn't want to open this bottle of wine because that might be, I, you might think I'm going to drug you. So will you watch me open it and then we'll drink? You know, it's this whole thing. Um, but I got to say, 
it, that that part's suspenseful on its own but then it does i'd say like a third of the way or halfway into the movie it does a psycho-esque uh 180 degree turn where we kind of throw out everything and we pick up somebody else uh uh, uh what's the guy's name from jeepers creepers i think just uh, justin, justin long, long. Yeah. yeah so then it picks up with him and uh and it kind of all ties back around but i won't i don't it's one of those where it's better if you don't know any anything beyond that but wow. it's scary as hell right jake oh it's probably the freakiest movie i've seen this year maybe even scarier than uh the black phone it, it but it's but the filmmaking i i'm telling you the direction you'll be impressed by this arlington huh. virginia guy wow that's a great you know one year at middleburg i stayed in a uh, uh an airbnb out in the country so dark you could hardly find it at night and uh and I get it. That's a great idea. Scary. Because yeah. you don't know, you know, Airbnb, you don't know what you're walking into. Exactly. No. I'm glad that filmmakers are tapping into that. And uh, yeah, it. I, I could see after, you know, post twist, the reveal, I could see if some people think, oh, wow, that's not the movie I thought I was uh -huh. going to get into. And, uh -huh. the, and if they uh -huh. don't like it, that I totally would understand it. But I just thought it was massively done. Um, And then the other movie I saw was completely different. I think, Oliver, I think I read you really like this movie. Um, it just opened in limited theaters in DC. So I think it's like at E street and stuff. Um, after sun. Yes. Yeah. You, you saw that's that Oliver. My, uh, that's been my favorite, uh, film of, of the year so far. Really? Uh, I watched it twice. Um, and it's, um, it's really unlike any other movie. It's a, it's a film about the, the nature of, um, of memory and connection. Uh, and, and it basically focuses on, um, uh, a two-week vacation in Turkey taken by an 11-year-old girl and her 31-year-old dad sometime in the late 90s. And, and you understand from watching the film, although they never explicitly say it, you get this information somehow that uh, the, the, the guy is no longer with us. Yeah, that the, that the, father the, father, died. the father died. Did you live in my Scotland? No. Why? And there's this feeling once you leave where you're from that you don't totally belong there again uh but again this is not a movie that explains anything you sort of intuit and feel your way through what did you wow. think of it jason oh i i loved it i loved it and like you're saying it's not a movie that um it's not a traditional narrative right it's uh mm -hmm. it's definitely it's definitely got it's like a memory piece it's definitely like fractured fractured memories uh fragments of, of 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 the young girl's memories and it's definitely it's almost got an experimental vibe to it so once again mm -hmm. just uh surgeon general's warning you know if you're like a mainstream traditional moviegoer maybe maybe who knows you might not like it but i say give it a shot because i i loved it i thought some of the best directing uh in years uh charlotte wells i think it's her feature directorial debut and um uh the way it's we get that we get a quote female gaze for a chance you you sort of see through the young daughter's eyes where she's sort of you know she has this single the single dad uh but you sort of see glimpses of her pov of you know learning what public uh, displays of affection are between other guys and girls you know a, a young boyfriend will put his arm around the girlfriend um at the pool or you know he's putting his arms around her doing the macarena like you you see these little insert povs where where you realize of uh, what what the girl's kind of going through and then not to mention some of the more objective camera shots where you see um let's say like like they on the right side of the frame you'll see them in real life like in a mirror or something and then on the right, right. side of the frame you'll see uh the the tv screen of their, of their hotel where where you're seeing the footage of their camcorder and you're kind of juxtaposing what what they're shooting on the camera versus what they're doing in real life there's so many cool 
um, compositions uh, that Charlotte Wells does. So I highly so, recommend it for people. Is that, is like that an Oscar it. contender? Do you think after Sun? Because I'm I'm seeing a lot of. I don't know. It's a it's it's a it's very personal uh, and uh, and small. It's not plot driven. Um, you know, uh, so it might be a little bit more experimental. Uh, that said, the two lead performances uh, by this uh, young woman and then um, the the hottest the hottest guy around. Uh, um, what's his name, Jason? Ta um, Paul, Paul Mescal. Yeah, Paul Mescal. Right. Uh, there's not a woman in America who doesn't want to be dating Paul Mescal right now. Uh, and normal dating, normal people. Yeah, he's dating Phoebe Bridgers, the musician. It just is all enveloping uh, without actually um, giving too much away. It's just an incredibly moving film. I don't know if it's Oscar, but it's one of those movies that you won't see anything like it. Arch, when we when we do our uh, WAFCA, Washington Area Critics Association, oh, yeah. when we have that category for, what is it, like best uh, youth performance or whatever, you chalk it oh. up for, Fra what is it, Frankie Corio, I think, or Corio, her name yeah, is. Yeah, um, yeah, amazing. But yeah, uh, in terms of for her. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah, in terms of Oscar chances, yeah, I, I kind of I'll echo Oliver. It see it seems more of that. Remember that movie 9 Days last year that that I yeah. loved. It's like that indie, it's like a small indie semi-experimental idea that I don't know if like you know the mainstream academy award voters will go for. <laughs> Although there is a bit of a, you know, I guess there could be I guess you could tie some like coda tie-in, you know, in terms of this indie, but but unlike coda, it's not like a traditional narrative. Story. It was uh, produced by the Moonlight director uh, Barry Jenkins. Oh, um, and uh, Barry Jenkins developed it and and uh, and was the main producer behind it. So it has a little bit of juice in that respect. It's got that A24 production company behind it. <laughs> yeah. And they're able, so, but, uh, unlike other indie movies that, you know, they, with that, with that, they, they're able to pull some, you know, of the, you know, music sound, sound copyrights. So you get a little, you know, Queen and David Bowie sequence where there's like this strobe light at a, a rave, but it's the dad dancing at a rave with flashes of the young girl and the girl grown up all at the same time for this like crazy ending. I, I, I was blown away by the filmmaking of it. Wow. Yeah. So Oliver, what about you? What are you watching? Well, I've seen um I've seen all the movies, Arch. I've seen a lot <laughs> of movies. Uh, you know, one <clears throat> one uh that really um shook me up. Uh I got to see it in the theaters, but it's on Netflix right now, is All Quiet on the Western Front. Uh, yeah, yeah. Dying to see that. Yeah, I mean in um, German. In German, yeah, it's the first German uh, production of the novel. It's still shocking. Uh, I, I mean, it, it's weird to say that about a story that's 100 years old that we all mm -hmm. read in 10th grade, but it's still shocking. And, and, um, and uh, you know, this was a, a movie and, I mean, this was a, a, a novel and a war that was meant to end all wars. Yeah, and, World War uh, One story. Yeah, and the story that that was just showed the futility of of trench time um, warfare in a more um, complete way than you can possibly imagine, and yet here we are again and again. Uh, it's remarkably acted and um, and very very moving and shocking. Although, like I said, it's a movie that is so far superior in a movie theater than on your home uh, television set. But yeah. it's on Netflix, and most of us are going to be seeing it on Netflix. Mm. Yeah, well, I'm I mean, the, the 1930 Hollywood film, you know, the original film yeah. version. Yeah. Uh, Von Stroheim. Yeah. With, with Louis My Milestone, I think, directed Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
it came out a year after the, the book. I think it came out in the right. German book in 1929. Um, I still think that was one of the great movies of the early sound, you know, that transition from talkies yeah, into yeah. sound. Early yeah. sound. It was the first sound film to win best picture. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Mm. And that, you know, some of those images are still burned in my, into my brain. It, it, right. it, that was a great, so I'm excited to see uh, this version, um, except, so this is made by, is it, it's by a German filmmaker you're saying? Yeah, yeah, uh, Berger is the filmmaker's name. I mean, he trained at NYU, uh, kind of like Charlotte Wells. Uh, who's his a first name Meister? <laughs> uh, and um, and uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it, no, it's, it's a heck of a production. <laughs> well, I can't, you know. Hey, I mean, if you, I mean, we're talking about what uh, German filmmakers. I know they were they were quote on the other side of of the war here, but yeah, uh, I mean, if yeah. you're talking about Das Boot or or um, Downfall, remember the Hitler movie? I mean, yeah. they, it's. I mean, I, I'm I'm all in because some of the best uh, war movies are, are are from German filmmakers. So, can I ask both of you about the Kate Blanchett film Tar that so many people are talking about? And uh, Oliver, what are they saying about uh, Blanchett? as this uh, director kind of brought down by her own uh, ego uh, well, in I LA. Well, I think the moment that that movie started to unspool out here, uh, that it, you know, uh, it was acknowledged as, as, as the performance of the, of the year. Uh, mm -hmm. I mean, I think everyone has, has recognized it as, uh, as such. I, I think most people have really appreciated the movie. A lot of people have talked about how long it is. And generally, there's yeah. been a lot of, of chatter this year about how long movies are. Um, you know, the upcoming film uh, Babylon is like three and a half hours. You know, there's there's just a lot of long movies. So that's that's obviously part of the conversation. And then, you know, because this is a character study, right? So you're not necessarily used to character studies being being so long. That said, this is a real world building movie, you know, where you really are immersed in the in the world of of um, Lydia Tarr. You want to dance the mask, you must service the composer. You've got to supplement yourself, your ego and yes, your identity. I feel like the time was was necessary, even if I felt like the plot of the film was more conventional than it needed to be. You're talking, I, uh, about length, you're talking about length of movies. There, there was a Pete Davidson SNL sketch. I remember. Yes. And uh, Lou, you might have to bleep this in hindsight, but was, give me a short ass movie. A short ass movie. I see, and he's like, if I see ninety minutes on the runtime, I'm in. But over two hours, I'm out. No, but some movies warranted. I guess. Yeah, we're in long movie season right now. Yeah, right. Yeah, and what about that idea that uh, that some movies just don't quite transfer to uh, streaming, that, that you really do need to be in the theater. I think that one is a perfect example, right? Because I think mm -hmm. that if you're in your, your house, you're probably going to be checking your email while watching that movie. And that movie, even if you don't like it very much, deserves your full attention and her perfor performance deserves your, your full attention. And, and you know, um, this is also a film that has lots of long takes, you know, and, and, uh, yeah. and it's very, um, it's very muscular filmmaking, right? And, um, and, you know, it deserves your attention. So, I, you know, like I said, I feel very fortunate that I'm getting to see so many movies in the movie theater right now. And that was one uh, that I really enjoyed seeing in, in, in a movie theater, even if I didn't necessarily love the film.
Yeah, so, so why it, why why Arch and Oliver and Lou, if you want to hop in, what why is that? Why is it if you know a lot of I mean we all here love our Lawrence of Arabia and all the long movies, Godfather, everything mm -hmm. else. But uh, why is it that you know a lot of mainstream uh, viewers will see a three hour runtime on a movie and say, oh no, I'm not watching that. But if you if you That's... give me ten hours and divide it up in in with with episodes in a show, I'm in. Why is yeah, that? Yeah, right. They watch three or four hours on a binge. Yeah. But I, uh, I think the difference is, is that television has always been on our own terms mm -hmm. and movies are always on the movie's terms. So mm -hmm. you're, you're sort of submit to a movie where television, you can pause it, you know, it exists for yeah. us, more of our, of our little buddy where like where uh, uh, movies are our overlord, you know, we bow <laughs> down to movies. And I think people, I think people resent that. They resent being told that they can't look at their phone for three hours or that they have to give something, you know, that being essentially being told what to do, being told to submit. Uh, I think that's the difference. <laughs> I'm going to start submit. using that phrase from now on submit. when I talk to you guys. I'm going to say, hey, are you hanging out with your little buddy tonight or are you going to submit to your overlord? <laughs> <laughs> submit. <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. Is streaming uh, and watching movies on television on an equal footing with movies and theater now, where are we on that? Absolutely not. They couldn't be more different. Uh, I mean, you're comparing apples and oranges. I mean, there, there's- uh, Apple going TV and oranges. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, there's just nothing like it, it uh, other than church. Um, yeah. You know, and, and I think- um, uh, and It's your overlord in a different way. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah, and churches exactly. is, are streaming now. That's right. True. And I mean, you can pray at home, but it's not like the, the lady in the hat, uh, you know, testifying, singing hymns together. Yeah, exactly. yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I will. All, I mean, I know we're all, you know, movie lovers, so I will always prefer the, the big screen because at home, you know, even even when you're trying to give it your full attention, you know, someone will pop into the room or, yeah, you know, people, yeah, your, your yeah. phone beeps or, you know, people are doing laundry or, you know what I mean? Like, it's 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 just not the same. You, you're you forced to watch it as the director intended in a movie theater. Now, granted, with the, at my house, I get what the hell is that? <laughs> in my house, my daughter's always walking in the room and saying, pause it for a sec, pause it for a sec. Pause it for a second. You know, pause it for a sec has just become one word. Yeah. Uh, and anytime I put on a movie, it's just pause it for a second. I'm like, I'm not pausing it for a sec. I'm going to watch this whole movie. You know, it's casino and we're going to be here for three and a half hours. <laughs> just as the I, filmmaker intended, pause it yeah. for a sec version. The director's pause it for a sec cut. I noticed a film playing at the Avalon here in D.C., The Good Nurse starring two uh, Oscar uh, winners, uh, Eddie Redmayne and Jessica Chastain. And it's a true crime thriller. It's about 95, 100 minutes, uh, very dark, very tense. She's a nurse in a hospital, and it's the true story of, uh, of a nurse who was a serial killer and possibly medicated to death up to 400 patients. Do you remember working with someone named Charlie Cullen? Yeah. There was a rumor about him. They found insulin in a dead guy's sailing bag. Noah Emmerich is the policeman investigating, and, and it's very, very atmospheric and tense and very, uh, you know, right on the money. 
So uh, that's a Netflix watchable. movie, uh, Arch. And so, so uh, mm -hmm. Netflix have been releasing films in theaters a couple of weeks before they come out on um, right. on Netflix. That's how I saw um, All um, Quiet on the Western Front. And I'm sure, would you agree, Arch, that that movie was better at the Avalon than it, than it was in your living, than it would be in your living room? I saw it streaming. <laughs> oh, oh, well. <laughs> I, I saw Tar at the Avalon. Yeah. Okay. And I'm making, I'm making plans for several trips to the Avalon because that's my happy place. Yes, I but, know. But uh, I, you know, it was there, and I watched it. And and I, as a film, I would say that it's better on TV probably than the movies. Okay, so it's kind of one, a one it's, called the, it's called the Good Nurse. Um, I believe that it's directed by the guy that wrote. Uh, remember another round that that foreign yes. language flick that one. Um, where he wrote it with Thomas Vittenberg, who was the director of that. Um, and and I believe it's written by one of Christy Wilson Cairns, who was one of the co-writers of um Sam Mendes' 1917. So it's got some I, oh, I have not seen it yet though. Well, it's right on Netflix and um uh and it's it's very efficient. It's gotten it's, good reviews. Yeah. Is it like a yeah. is it like a Kevorkian, like an assist is it like an assisted suicide or is it like killing patients un unwillingly? Unwilling. I, I think Oh. Yeah, unwilling. Yeah, wow. Just a, a serial. He saw himself uh, as a uh, as an angel of mercy, but he was an angel yeah. of death. Wow. And it's true crime story. Yeah. Wow. So it's sort of that true crime. You know, maybe yeah. it's a, a hybrid podcast. Uh, uh, you know, serial uh, right. movie. Uh, what do you think of that Netflix uh, idea to put him back in the theater? That's how I noticed. I like it. I like the idea um, because while we while we appreciate the convenience, uh, especially you know these last couple of years pandemic, I've loved being able to watch stuff at home. It's been my my lifeline. Uh, but uh, yeah, there's no substitute for the theater. So yeah, I mean I I don't see why why not they why they don't do do both. I, I don't I don't think it hurts. I think we're going to be seeing more of it, Arch. I mean they they purchased uh, and refurbished a movie theater up in uh, Pacific Palisades called the Bay Theater. Uh, and yeah. it's not part of a uh, um, a Rick Caruso mall. He's the person who made mm -hmm. a Grove uh, here in Los Angeles, and he's currently running for mayor um, here in L.A. And, um, and you know, even though I I'm not necessarily a, a Rick Caruso voter, I, I enjoy going up to this place and seeing uh, Netflix movies at this at this kind of greatly refurbished movie theater that sold terrific food and really good beer. Um, so it was, uh, it was, it was a great experience. What kind of beer are you drinking these days? Uh, Pilsners. I've been drinking a lot of Pilsners. Uh, I, I think the IPAs have been a little too much. So I've dialed it back a little bit and, uh, and kind of relaxed things. I'm in a summer state of mind, even though it's, uh, getting winter time. How about you guys? <laughs> Well, I was down in Texas and I discovered uh, Alamo beer, which is a local yeah. beer, and uh, they have uh, Alamo watermelon flavor. <laughs> <laughs> and as hot as it was down there, it tasted pretty good. Man, <laughs> Alamo beer, the, the slogan is, you won't remember the Alamo. <laughs> <laughs> I had a couple um, the other night uh, on Halloween weekend. Um, I had a couple dogfish head um, pumpkin oh, oh. pumpkin spice beer for the for the theme, <laughs> and we sat we sat outside in my sister's backyard, like a little you know a downtown Frederick Row house yeah, backyard, yeah. and we 
we bought a new projector. My wife and I bought a projector and uh, we yeah. projected uh, both uh, John Carpenter's The Thing onto a fence <laughs> and and uh, the original Boris Karloff Frankenstein. We watched on oh. a projector for Halloween. Oh, How cool is that? <laughs> wow. Yeah, cool. I, I didn't know about play? the pumpkin beer, but the movies sound great. <laughs> <laughs> How did they play? How, first, how's The Thing looking uh, in a crowd in the backyard? <laughs> well, uh, I was surprised how well the projector looked, but in terms of the movies, um, mm -hmm. it I think they both I think they both still hold up. I mean, you know, watching it with my sister and my wife uh, and me and two dogs, of course. Um, <laughs> I I was struck for the first. You know, you notice oh, there like are no strong female characters or female characters at all in this right. movie. So yeah. I, you know, I, I yeah. noticed I noticed that with the thing. But other than that, it is it is amazing how well those um what do you like body horror effects sort of still still hold up with you know with that with that creature that alien being uh taking on part parts you know the jowls of a dog or parts of humans as it morphs into them. It's, I actually had uh, seeing it this time, it struck me as a bit of like a a COVID pandemic sort of uh, theme where who, who amongst oh. us is, is infected and we're going to have to, you know, let's kill. Uh, or they, no, they take drops of blood. Remember to see, to see who has it. There's a lot of that coming back and, or, yeah. you know, people are now sensing that with the, the horror updates of the eighties. Yeah. yeah. And, and Frankenstein for a movie that's almost a hundred years old, I was surprised mm -hmm. how, how, I mean, there are parts where, you know, dialogue scenes where it sort of drags in between, but the actual yeah. Frankenstein parts, they really hold up and you sort of, you've really, as always, once again, I'm, I leave feeling bad for Frankenstein's monster, you know, in, in the, in the, in the windmill, uh -huh. mm -hmm. getting yeah. the, the pitchforks and torches. Yeah. yeah. I had a guy on last week, you probably know, who wrote a book called It's Alive, which is sort of historical fiction about the things that led to the making of Frankenstein, including mm -hmm. that, uh, they're, that, they wanted Bella Lugosi to play the monster, and he didn't want to do it because the monster didn't have any lines. And uh, Karloff was down in his luck, and this was his big break, and he almost didn't get it. And, uh, you know, there is a mo Count Gore uh, showed <laughs> Frankenstein three or four years ago at the AFI. And there's a moment where the monster uh, sits down and they open the blinds and he sees light. Mm. And it's just a beautiful segment of mm. acting. Yeah. The other thing the guy said is that on the script, the line, it's alive, is only written once or twice. And that Colin Clive uh, <laughs> blurted it out seven times. <laughs> just a you is, know, is, the line, is the line in the script page is the line does it have a bunch of eyes it's a lie <laughs> and you can't watch it without thinking of young frankenstein oh yeah which, which i watched over the weekend just you know just because you have to i, I can't watch frankenstein without thinking about the count you know, uh, he was the first person to show me uh, that movie when I was a kid uh, oh. on Channel 20. And um, and we talk about what it means to see a movie, you know, watching a movie with someone like that on television, curating, you know, making mm. jokes, having fun. Right. That's community, too. Uh, and uh, and that feels really magical as well. I sometimes wish that the streaming experience had like a poster curator or some sort of <laughs> aspect that that um that gave a sense of 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 happening 
that it was, which is what it was like watching the count uh, on Channel 20. He was yeah. your original little buddy, you know. He really was. <laughs> um, but you know, it's funny uncle. you mentioned. It's funny, yeah. It's funny you mentioned that uh, Frankenstein. You know, when the projector light hit hit my sister's fence, the white sheet on the fence. Uh, uh, Frankenstein opens with uh, someone addressing the crowd. It's like a, yeah, at a stage uh -huh, curtain. Uh -huh. This voice comes yeah. up and he goes, "Hi, the story you're about to see." And yeah, right. so it comes. I think it's the guy that played Van Helsing in uh, Dracula. I forget the actor's name, mm. but and supposedly in the book, and I think this is from Hollywood fiction. Edward that, Van Sloan. <laughs> thank you, thank you very much, uh, Carl Limley Jr. I uh, got his girlfriend to hire an actress for 20 bucks to go to the premiere. And when uh, the creation appears, when the monster appears, to scream and run out of the theater. <laughs> and that happened at the premiere. And then the girlfriend comes and says, here's your 20 bucks back. She didn't show up. And so it actually happened. Oh, wow. Three or four wow. people screamed and left the theater. I watched uh, Bride of Frankenstein, Halloween Night on Turner Classics. Did you watch that with Ben Mankiewicz? I, I didn't watch it for that one. Uh, what was it like revisiting it? Uh, it was um, really kind of a revelation. Uh, the monster is not as uh, prominent. It's played more for laughs. The electrification sequence is thrilling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it starts with Elsa, Elsa Lanchester and Lord Byron, and, uh, Percy Shelley, and they're, they're, it's a stormy night, and she's going to tell them what happened after Frankenstein, and uh, this is when they make the bride, and then she returns uncredited as the bride right. and, uh, and rejects Frankenstein, and so he kills her, and um, Dr. Praetorius. <laughs> the other thing about The Bride of Frankenstein is it has the hermit sequence, the blind yeah. hermit. Frankenstein, yeah. for most of The Bride, is just wandering around slapping at things. And you can't watch that now without <laughs> Gene Hackman. Yes. How brilliant he was in Young Frankenstein. Looks oh, yeah. great. Looked really great. The Bride of Frankenstein. I've always, I, I've always sort of contended, and this is no knock on on, on the original because that did it. But I've always contended that Bride of Frankenstein is the better of the two, or at least equal of it. You know, it's like well, it's a different movie. kind of movie, yeah. which I had never really picked up on until I watched. It's more of a comedy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I like. Mankiewicz had a a comic on with him who brought that point out. And, you know, at first I didn't believe it, but of course, yeah, he's right. Those yeah. are the movies that got me interested in the movies. What about, what about you guys? Well, yeah, I'm glad I, you, go ahead. I remember as a kid, I, I, I had the Universal Monsters book, me and my brother, and, and we just, um, <laughs> you know, we would just spend hours looking at the book. So I, I knew all the makeup techniques and, um, oh. And and so you're you're right. For me, those universal horror films were the films that introduced me to the idea of yeah. movies as a craft, you know, movies that someone made with their hands, you know. And um and I think you're right. It it lit a, a spark in me that that few other films have. I think it's just kind of cool that I mean, Arch, you mentioned the the connection um of you know Bela Lugosi um, uh. before Karloff got the role. 
Um, and, and then of course he would do Dracula that same year. And, and, yeah. and I always remember in, remember in Ed Wood, Martin Landau, the great role where he's playing, uh, uh Bella Lugosi and, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and he's like, Karloff's uh, sidekick. He doesn't deserve it. Oh my, you know what? <laughs> F that guy. Um, but it's kind of cool because those two movies came out in 31 and it, uh, it speaks to, you know, the universal uh, monster uh, machine. Uh, and while Warner Brothers is doing gangster pictures and then MGM would yeah. do the musicals. Yeah. Like, I think it was kind of cool that they sort of each had, had a brand, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Great. Yeah. Well, speaking of brands, our brand is Hound Radio. Thanks to Lou Katz. And let's uh, toss it over to Lou to uh, update us on everything dog. <laughs> well, I, d depending upon what side of the aisle you're on, it could be a dog Tuesday next week. Here's a little mm. announcement to make sure you get out and cast that vote. I just remembered it's election day. Are you going to vote? I don't know. I don't think I'll have time today. Millions of eligible voters in America never make it to the polls or even register to vote. When you don't vote, you're letting other people make decisions for you and pick the things your taxes will pay for. Voting is more than a civic duty. It gives you a voice about the priorities and the future of your community and our nation. Voting gives you a seat at the table. Hound Radio reminds you to unleash your vote November 8th. And uh, speaking of dogs, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if this is right or not. Shall we, shall we mention Jerry Lee Lewis who passed away? Age 87. Did you, either of you see Great Balls of Fire with Dennis Quaid? You shake my nerves and you rattle my brain. Too much of love drives a man insane. You broke my will, but what a thrill. You know, there was a time when uh, rock and roll was legitimately dangerous. And I think that nobody uh, symbolized that with greater joy than Jerry Lee Lewis. He 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 was the he was a danger with a smile on his face, uh, and um and it was it was very exciting. Uh, I would suggest uh, to anyone out here to listen to um his live in Hamburg uh, record uh, again mm. a short record, uh, but the high school hop that starts the, that record is one of the most exciting things I've ever heard on vinyl. Uh, and uh, I think a lot of people were surprised that he was still alive. Uh, yeah. You know, but yeah. Uh, but uh, but I think it's also one of those people that it's surprising we ever had him at all. Yeah. 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 I mean, a whole lot of shaking going on and uh, yeah. breathless and great balls of fire, of course. Um, all you have to do is say, "You shake my nerves and you're out of my brain." Everybody <laughs> probably thinks Gen X probably got it from Top Gun, and now a whole new generation <laughs> with Maverick can sing it. But um, right. also, everyone, go back and check out um uh, those first recordings they did at Sun Records in Memphis in '56. It was an impromptu jam session with. With Jerry Lee Lewis, uh, Johnny Cash, Carl Perkins, and Elvis Presley. And I, uh, there was a Broadway musical about it a couple years ago called Million yeah. Dollar Quartet. I once was lost in sin, but Jesus took me in. Fell then a little light from heaven my soul cool cool stuff but i also thought the irony of that his nickname was the killer but you know when you look at his personal life all those uh, scandals yeah. i mean wow. what he like married Boy. his 13 year old cousin one one wife drowned in yeah. a swimming pool when she was filing for divorce and another a drug another overdose yeah. it was like seven wives or something so i mean yeah um but in, inaugural rock and roll hall of fame class so that's that's one of those um separate the art from the artist that's hard to do so uh, what should we recommend this weekend I mentioned uh, after Sun, the other best movie this year is um, Banshees of Inishirin. 
Um, mm. I can't um, wait to see that. Yeah. yeah, which is something uh, stunning. And 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 uh, Colin Farrell gives you know if um if Kate Blanchett is in the performance of the year, then it's Colin Farrell in this film. The the layers mm. of sadness uh, that he brings to his character uh, is extraordinary. So that, that that's the one everyone should go out and see this weekend. Now, if I've done something to you, just tell me what I've done to you. When you didn't do anything to me, I just don't like you no more. You liked me yesterday. You think he'll finally win an Oscar? Uh, I think he, I think he's extraordinary. Wow. All right. Jason, what's up with you for the weekend? <clears throat> well, I, I would uh, second uh, af after Sun, or maybe I'll first it since I mentioned it. How does that work? I don't know. <laughs> uh, well, I, I second want, that. Yeah, if you want something experimental, uh, uh, you know, uh, put that cap on and Surgeon General's warning on that. But uh, After Sun was great. But then if you, yeah, if you're still feeling some Halloween vibes, absolutely check out Barbarian on on HBO Max, or fire up your backyard projector and watch Frankenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. And I'm going to throw in a plug for Tur with Kate Blanchett. I was blown away by it. It is long, and you got to go to the theater to see it. But I think we're going to hear more about it. Jason Fraley of WTOP, Oliver Jones of Observer.com, Lou Katz in the Katz Podcasting Headquarters. I'm Arch Campbell. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, we'll be back next week. It's an honor as always, Arch. Thank you, gentlemen. Yeah, see ya, my little buddy Oliver, and I submit to my masters, Arch and Lou. <laughs> Overlord. Overlord, that's what it was. All right. This is the Cats Podcasting System, where it's not just a podcast, but a podcast. <laughs> <laughs>